All right. Um, our scripture today comes from Acts chapter 7, verses 48 through uh, 53. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will, where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all of these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet, prophet who your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law, that, it was, that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is good, uh, and it is holy, and it's a reminder that you are with us. And so be with us now as we spend time uh, studying your word together through the sermon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, kids, I need, your, I need you to help me out here, okay? We're gonna, I, I, there's, a, there's a section coming up where I need you to help me because I couldn't write part of my sermon. I'm kidding. Um, all right, so... There's a story that probably many of you are familiar with. Uh, it is the story of Aladdin. And uh, if you're familiar with the story of Aladdin, at least the Disney version of Aladdin, uh, you know that when uh, at one point the genie uh, talks about, you know, the, who he is, right? He says, he says that he's got phenomenal cosmic power, but then he says what? He lives in a little bitty little box, right? A little bit, can't. Um, so so uh, the genie is a great entry point for us uh, into what's happening in our story. So God has got phenomenal cosmic power, even more than the genie. And the religious leaders of Jesus's day were trying to act as if God was working in this itty little building called the temple. And that's what's going on. And what, what is happening is the sermon that we just read is the very end of the sermon is telling us that God is with us regardless of whether he's in a building or not. That's the big idea. God is with us. Uh, he is with his people and he's not limited to a holy place or a holy temple. Uh, God is with his holy people. All right, you got it with, you got, you with me? So what we're gonna see is that God is with us and then we're going to see the, uh, that we reject God, uh, the ways that we can reject God. That's really the, the main point of this long sermon. It's the longest sermon that's, that we find in the book of Acts. Uh, and it's preached by a man named Stephen. If you don't know who Stephen is, Stephen was uh, this very godly individual. We looked at him last week. Very godly, Christ-like individual man who preaches this really powerful sermon and actually is killed. After he's in the middle of preaching a sermon, they stop him and they kill him because they're so furious about what it is that he has said. Now, the, the sermon that he preaches has five parts to it, okay? Uh, and what he's doing is, you think that, uh, show the next slide. What he does is he's talking through the history of the people of Israel. So he talks about Abraham in verses two through eight. He talks about Joseph in verses 9 through 19. He talks about Moses in verses 20 to 44. And he talks about David and Solomon in verses 45 to 50. And then he starts making his application. And that's when they interrupt him, drag him outside of the city and execute him. Now, back in Jesus's day, there was this idea that was very common, going back to the genie, that God was in the temple. 
and that as long as Israel had the temple, everything would be okay. It's like a lucky charm, right? Uh, And so when Jesus came in and when Stephen comes in and they start saying, hey, let's actually rethink what's going on with the temple, people didn't like it. So Stephen goes back and he starts telling us the story of God. And what he says is that God was not limited to a holy place or holy temple. God was working around the world. So we see first Abraham. Now, uh, all right, kids, what do you know about Abraham? Give me something that you know about Abraham. I, see, the adults don't do this for me during the week either, every other week. So I need your help. When I ask a question, I need you to give me some feedback here to help me out. Yes. Don't, you don't need to raise your hand. This is not school. Just yell. He helped lead the Jews. Hold that thought. I'm going to ask about Moses. You give me that answer in a few minutes when I ask about Moses. All right? Abraham was the first person that God called. He's the father of the Jews, right? And God calls him when he is where? In Mesopotamia. Where's Mesopotamia? I'm going to show you a map right now of where Mesopotamia is. All right? That circle on the left-hand side, that's Israel. That's the Holy Land. Where's Mesopotamia? See that arrow going all the way up to says Haran? That's where Abraham is. He is very far away from Israel when God calls him and says, hey, I want you to go somewhere and I want you to follow me. God is not limited in Abraham's life to a holy place or to a holy temple. He is working with Abraham. All right, we're going to jump ahead in history now. Uh, This is lightning fast history of Israel, okay? Joseph Who can tell me something about Joseph? Asa. He went up to a mountain. He may have gone up to a mountain. I'm not sure. Uh, Nope, wrong person. That's Moses. So you guys are going to have lots of answers when we get to Moses in a second. All right, help me out. Who is Joseph? Come on, Prince of Egypt, the movie? Come on. He, that's Moses. All right. So, man, my application for the kids is going to be spot on. All right. So, um, Joseph is a grandchild of Abraham. He gets betrayed by his brothers, remember? And they send him into slavery in Egypt. Are you with me now, Prince? All right. So, now Joseph is in Egypt. I actually messed you up because I said Prince of Egypt, and that's actually Moses' story. So, that is my bad. I own that. That was my bad. I gave you the wrong clue. Um, So Joseph gets sold by his brothers. And we see uh, in verse 9 that while he was in Egypt, God was with him. Now, Joseph was arrested. Joseph was falsely accused of doing things that were bad. Uh, Joseph was forgotten in prison. Joseph had been betrayed by his brothers. And God was with him. Now, did Joseph probably always feel like God was with him? No, not at all, right? He was arrested. He was betrayed by his brothers. People had forgotten him. People broke promises to him. But God was with him, and he was in Egypt. Is Egypt the Holy Land? No, Egypt is not the Holy Land. God is with Joseph outside of the Holy Land and the Holy Temple. Now, Moses. All right. Hit me. Come on. Who is Moses? 
Yes, he led the Jews through the desert. What else do we know about Moses? Ten Commandments. What else do we know about Moses? Come on. This side of the room is very quiet. What do we know about Moses? Adults, come on. Burning bush. Say burning bush. The burning bush. Good job. All right. So Moses got, meets uh, God in the burning bush. All right. So Moses is in Egypt. Yes. What's up, Boston? Moses always had a staff. Yes, you're right. Do you remember what happened to that staff? It turned into a snake. Do you remember that? And it ate the, the staffs of the, of the wizards in Egypt. It was a pretty cool scene. All right. So... I don't remember that. I have to, you have to show me in the Bible later. Okay, so this is awesome. All right, now, so God is with Moses. He is, it says that he was beautiful in God's sight. This is all in the sermon that Stephen is preaching, right? He says in verse 20 that Moses was beautiful in God's sight. So when Moses was born, God was there. Moses grows up. He then kills somebody. In order to defend Israelites, he has to get out of Egypt, and he is in Midian. Now, where's Midian? Can you give me the next slide, please? Midian is this region on the other side of the Sinai Peninsula. But in Moses' day, Midian's extended partly over to where Mount Sinai is. And so right there, you see Mount Sinai. That's the region we think Moses was in when the burning bush happens. Now, I want you, I'm going to read to you what happens at the burning bush. And I want, you to, I want you to pay attention to how God describes himself. He says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. Now, listen to what God says. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard they're groaning, and I've come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. God heard, God saw, God came. Came, came down. Where was God? Where was this scene happening? Midian, not in the Holy Land, not in the Holy Temple. Okay? Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? Is God limited to a holy land? Is God limited to a holy temple? God works through his holy people. Okay? You see, you see what's happening here? And so Stephen is retelling the story of Israel in order to make this very central point. Next, we have David and Solomon. And this one gets very little attention uh, in Stephen's sermon. Okay? But what do we know about David? He was the king. He's a shepherd. He's the king that also wants to build the temple. Okay? And God says to him, David, guess what? You're not the one that's going to build my temple. I don't need a house. I don't need a house, God says. Your son Solomon will build me a temple, but you, I'm going to build your house. God was with David in the Holy Land, but still no holy temple. Okay? So where is God? God is with Abraham in Mesopotamia. God is with Joseph in Egypt. He is with Israel in Egypt. He is with Moses in Egypt. He is with Moses in Midian. He is with David and Solomon in Israel. God is not limited to a holy 
land, and he is not limited to a holy, but he works through his holy. Man, we are, we're on today. This is awesome. Okay, now, application then, right? So what is Stephen doing? Stephen is telling us the stories of the Bible. And so kids, do you know what this means? Like we need to know the stories of the Bible, right? They're not just little bedtime stories, although some of them can be really great bedtime stories, right? These are the stories. Think of it like this. You know, have you ever had a, you know, you're, you're with your family, uh, maybe it's Thanksgiving, maybe it's Christmas, and your grandparents or an aunt or an uncle tell you a story about your parents when they were young. Yes? All right? Yes. My, both my sons are like, yes. Um, those are great stories because those are the stories of your family. The stories of the Bible are the stories of our spiritual family, and they're the stories that tell us how God has been working with his people for a really long time. And so it's important for us to know the stories of the Bible, whether you're learning them from your parents or, uh, you know, if, you, if you're in a school setting where you talk about the Bible, you're learning them in school or you're uh, learning them here at church, learning the stories of the Bible is really, really important. All right, now, we can learn the stories of the Bible and that have a lot of knowledge. The religious leaders had that and we can still reject God. That's our second point. Uh, in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, there is a scene towards the end of the movie where Harry Potter is in front of the mirror of Erised. Remember what the mirror, what does the mirror of Erised do? Yes. Yes, the mirror of Erised is a magical mirror. If you're not familiar with the story, it's a magical mirror that shows you your deepest heart's desires, okay? Uh, and so in the story, when Harry Potter looks in the mirror of Erised, what he sees is himself with his parents because that's the deepest desire of his heart. Uh, when Ron, his best friend, looks into the mirror of Erised, he sees uh, himself as the head boy of the, of the house and as this Quidditch star. Quidditch is the soccer of the magical wizarding world. Uh, and then when the, when the bad guy of that story, Professor Quirrell, uh, sees himself in the mirror, what does he see? He sees himself holding the Sorcerer's Stone, which is this magical thing that he needs to get his hands on. Um, now, at the end of the story, Dumbledore says to Harry, because Harry's looking at the mirror, and Dumbledore says to Harry, we need to hide the mirror. You can't keep looking at it. Uh, because if you continue to long for the thing you desire most, you will go crazy. Now, in a, it's a little bit of a stretch, but in a similar way, okay? What's happening with the religious leaders is that they knew all these stories. And they looked at all these stories and what they saw was what they most wanted to see. And what they most wanted to see was that as long as they had the temple, they were going to be good. Yes, the Romans could be in charge, but as long as they had the temple, God was still on their side. And for them, the temple was also part of how they had authority and power. And so when Jesus talked about destroying the temple, when Stephen talked about destroying the temple, they didn't actually stop to say, what are you actually talking about? And so they rejected God. And, and, and so what's happening is, if you pay attention, if you go back and read the sermon in its entirety, all 53 verses of the sermon, 
What you'll notice is that Stephen, as he is preaching, he drops these little hints, the little Easter eggs, all right? You know, you watch a movie and you're like, oh, there's an Easter egg. Y'all know what Easter eggs are? It's in movies where someone throws in a little scene or a little piece of information that's connected to something that's not a part of the film. That's called an Easter egg. Um, There are these little Easter eggs in here showing us how God was rejected. And one is in chapter 7, verse 39. This is with Moses. Our fathers refused to obey him. They thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. And as for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Uh, So even when God had been with Israel in this really powerful way, right? How was God visibly with Israel when they were in the wilderness during the Exodus? Pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, okay? So like imagine we're having our worship service and outside is this giant pillar of fire just hanging out or a pillar of cloud just hanging out right? A like very visible, tangible, real example, God is with us. And they said, yes, but we're going to reject Moses. Now, here is, here then what happens is then he says to the, the, Stephen says, you're just like them. The religious says, what do you mean we're just like them? And the reason that they were just like them is because in the same way that the people in Moses' day had rejected Moses. The people in Jesus' day had rejected who? They had rejected Jesus. And so he's saying, you're just like them. God was with you, right? Do you know what Jesus' name is? Jesus is what Jesus has got several names. Uh, one of the names that Jesus is given in the book of Matthew, when the angel is giving a, uh, telling Joseph, that he's going to have a son. He says, he is, this son of yours is going to be called Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? Kids, what does Emmanuel mean? Do you know? God with us, right? So all of these stories of the Old Testament where God was with his people, Jesus is the fulfillment. Jesus is what brings all of these stories together to show us how God is with us today and they rejected him. Now, here is the challenge for us. It can be really easy for us to look back on stories that we read and go, oh my gosh, those people were so dumb. They were so stupid. They, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they didn't understand. But we're just like them. And that's one of the things that Stephen and the Bible wants us to understand is that we are just like them. And so it's important to know the stories of the Bible. Kids, remember I just said that that was an application for you, right? It is important to know the stories of the Bible. The second part of that application for you is that they're not just stories. And so knowing the stories of the Bible isn't simply knowing fairy tales. It's knowing true stories that really happened that are telling us a bigger story of how God is with us. And it can be really easy for us to not see what those stories are about. All of us are capable 
of having these stories and missing the point of them. Uh, For some of us who have been Christians for a really long time, it's easy to miss the stories for what they're really pointing us to. It's easy for us not to see what they're pointing us to because we know it, right? We're familiar with the story. And so let's face, you hear Joseph and you're like, oh yeah, Egypt, done, check, on to the next thing. For those of us who maybe have rejected Christianity or have no familiarity with Christianity, it can be easy to dismiss the stories because we think that they are just, in fact, stories or fairy tales. For those of us who are maybe perhaps on the more educated side, it can be easy to dismiss the stories because they just seem like myths or religious things that people need to use in order to cope. For those of us that aren't educated, it can be easy to dismiss the stories because uh, maybe they just seem too far-fetched or, or oh, I don't, I don't have time to read all that. I just want to know about Jesus. For those of us who are old, it can be easy to dismiss the stories because we get set in our ways. For those of us who are young, it can be easy to dismiss because we think we know it all, right? And, and so all of us, regardless of where we come from, have to have this reminder, it can be really easy to miss the stories of Jesus. And Stephen is coming in and he's saying, this is what Jesus is all about. And then is this really powerful moment as he's being killed, he cries out, Father, forgive them. You and I might get it wrong. You and I might miss what God is trying to say to us. You and I may not completely understand and might even at times totally reject God as he is teaching us through his word and through his spirit and through his church, right? And yet he forgives us because he is gracious and compassionate. And the way that we know that is because Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, died on the cross in order so that we could be with him. And that's the story. That's the central story that all of these stories are pointing us to, that God was with his people and that he was taking all of these steps so that we could be with him. And so that is really at the heart of what it is that we believe. So kids, every Sunday when we come in here and you guys go upstairs for Children's Church, for those of you that go upstairs to Children's, that's what we're talking about in here. We're talking about all of the different ways that God helps us to understand that he is with us so that we can be with him. Now, adults, application for you. Uh, It's the same thing that I just told the kids. We need to be people who are formed by scripture. We need to be people who not know the, not only know the stories as stories and the teaching of the Bible as just a bunch of facts, but we need to know that as things that shape our lives. That's part of the reason why I'm so excited that we're starting Bible studies up, that we've got mom's Bible study studying Nehemiah, that we've got these Sermon on the Mount Bible studies uh, in the evenings. Uh, and, and I hope if, you, if you've been kind of on the fence about jumping in on one of those, I hope that you will jump in. Uh, Kids, we've got some stuff that we're planning for you in order to help you be able to study God's word more and grow in God's word more. And we're going to let you know more about that soon.